good afternoon. How is the sound, by the way? Is it okay? Good. Okay, good. Move it a little closer. So the sound is good. And how is your mind? How is your mind? It's not a rhetorical question. Let's check in. Let's take a moment. How is the mind right now? Can awareness be turned? Can awareness be turned? To know the mind, the mind state. How is the mind? Experiencing the mind. Let it be effortful. It's just a gentle inquiry, experiencing. So, as we have turned, as we have turned together in this journey we are taking with the 16 steps of breathing, Anapanasati. And this week we are turning towards the third tetrad, three of the four tetrads. And turning towards the mind, turning towards the mind. And just to remind us, the steps, the four steps in this tetrad are One trains thus, I shall breathe in and out, experiencing the mind, gladdening the mind, collecting, gathering, or often translated as concentrating the mind, and then freeing or liberating the mind, the mind, the mind, the mind. So, as I was reflecting on, on this talk, it really hit me again and again. It seems like I keep discovering in more nuance the, the, the exquisite beauty of, of this teaching of these 16 steps. They're so exquisitely organized. Going towards liberation from simply knowing that you're breathing. Breathing in and out. Step by step towards liberation. Freedom, ease. And also within that beautiful step by step, very skillful, the Buddha is very skillfully teaching us. And within that there are more structures, there are more exquisite structures. So the instructions are going from the more gross to the more subtle, 
overall through the 16 steps. And they're also within every tetrad. They are going from the more gross to the more subtle. So progressively becoming more subtle, more nuanced. So one thing to note as you have been doing this, as you know this, is we started, the Buddha is starting us with objects, with the body. With the body, knowing the body of the breath, knowing the breath, is short, long, the body of the breath, the body. We're starting with gross objects, relatively gross, the body, right? Sensed, felt, known through this first-person experience of, of this, this nature, this body being nature, humanity. And then it gets a little more subtle. Gets the next tetrad after the mind has become stabilized. So the mind becomes stabilized really through the first tetrad by, by knowing the body, by, by knowing an object. Here you go, mind. Okay, get to know an object. Find your footing. Find your sea legs. Really feel an object. Keep feeling it. Okay, that will help you stabilize. That will help you stabilize, dear mind, dear chitta, dear mind heart. And I love the translation of chitta, really, the sense of it. Not just as mind, but mind heart, mind heart. There you go, dear heart. Get to know the body. Get to know objects. Get, get to stabilize through knowing the body, object, body and objects body as an object. And then, when the mind gets a little more stable, then becomes the invitation becomes a little more subtle. Okay, now, experience, get to know, get to meet the mental formations, get to know them, enjoy them. There is joy, there is gladness. There's perception, there's feeling tone, sanya, vedana. Get to know these, these mental formations, which are more subtle than the body, than the first object we were experiencing. So the mind gets all more subtle, knowing perceptions, knowing how it knows. And then, now we turn towards the king, towards the mind, the mind itself, getting to know the mind. So, there is a, um, a simile that citta, vinyana, is thought of as the king. And the mental formations are taught, are said to be the king's court, the retinue, the retinue that the king comes with. So the king being citta, being consciousness, mind-heart, and 
sanya, vedana, these mental formations, how the mind, they, they come, they come with, with, with knowing, with this faculty of knowing. And, and maybe for, maybe I'll extend this metaphor and, and maybe the body are the subjects of the kingdom, are all the subjects, the farmers, the peasants. So, so as we get started, we want to, we want to free the king and we first start to get to know how is this king operating? We get to know the, the, uh, the kingdom first, the kingdom of the body. Get to know the kingdom of the body. Really study it. And then move to the court. Speak with the vizier and various members of the court. Sanya, Vedana, the concomitants. And then, when we have enough stability, okay, let's, let's meet the king, Chitta, the mind, this faculty of knowing. Let's experience it. We're ready. Let's experience it. There's so many different ways to do this practice, and, and I'll offer a few suggestions. So chitta nupasana, chitta nupasana, chitta mind heart nupasana. Mindfulness of mind, mindfulness of mind. So this third tetrad corresponds to the third establishment of mindfulness in the Satipatthana Sutta. So I'll also borrow from the Satipatthana Sutta a bit for our our practice, for our investigation. So turning the mind, as as I asked you at the beginning of this talk, how is your mind? How is the chitta, how is the mind-heart in this moment? Turning, turning awareness on itself. What is the state of mind? And when the mind has become more stable, it is possible. In fact, there are some more gross ways to see the state of mind and there are more subtle ways to, to experience the state of mind. And feel free to, to partake from the different invitations depending on where your practice is right now, what is needed, what is needed right now. So, from the Satipatthana Sutta, the four foundations of mindfulness, the section where the invitation is to to be curious, to experience, to investigate the mind, 
there are different mind states listed there. So I'll, I'll borrow some. I'll borrow some. So here we go. In the Satipatthana Sutta, one knows a greedy, or translated also as lustful mind, to be lustful, and a mind without greed or lust to be without it. And then there is, one knows an angry mind, or also translated as a mind with hate, dosa, so to be mind with dosa, anger, hatred, or without it. So knowing those mind state, distinguishing between between those. A deluded mind, moha, to be deluded, or one without delusion, so distinguishing between those two states. A contracted mind, to be contracted, and a distracted mind, to be distracted. There are four more states. I'm going to pause here for a moment. So these first four states of mind are known as the ordinary states of mind. And then the next four are the higher states of mind for one to know. So either with lust or, or greed, raga, fire, this sense of fire, anger or hate, dosa, delusion, moha, and contracted, distracted, which is said to be being overcome by sloth and torpor and restless restlessness, or in or in general. Um, could be interpreted as the nivaranas, the the hindrances or the coverings, the veils that are covering the path to be worked with. So first, knowing what is the state of mind? Are there, is it an ordinary, ordinary state of mind or Are any of these present, absent? What is the state of mind? Experiencing the mind. Experiencing. Again, I'll repeat them. Raga, fire, lust, greed. Dosa, hatred, anger. Moha, delusion, confusion. Ignorance. and contracted, distracted. So those are the four ordinary states of mind in the Satipatthana Sutta. And then there are the four higher states of mind. And the higher states of mind, one knows a great mind to be great, and a narrow mind to be narrow. One knows the surpassable mind to be surpassable and an unsurpassable mind to be unsurpassable. One knows a collected mind to be collected 
or concentrated mind to be concentrated, another translation, and an unconcentrated mind to be unconcentrated. And one knows a free mind to be free, or liberated mind to be liberated, and unliberated mind to be unliberated. So here, these higher states of mind, which being on retreat, you are experiencing. (coughs) Dipping your toes into, or here and there, and the great, great mind. Again, different interpretations, but in general, the calmness of meditation calmness of meditation, a great mind, could also be as a result of states of absorption or the four Brahma-viharas, metta states, a great mind, a mind that has become great. And then surpassable versus unsurpassable. Surpassable pertaining to some lower states of samadhi, concentration, mind collected, and unsurpassable, when the mind is so, has so much equanimity and sati, mindfulness, higher states of stability, that it's not surpassable. This is as expansive as it gets. So to know when the mind is surpassable, and no one, it's not, it's unsurpassable. And this could become relevant when sometimes meditators think, oh, this is it, this is a surpass, this is unsurpassable mind state, and then later realize, oh, actually, what I thought was unsurpassable wasn't. There's still deeper, more expansive states beyond that. So having humility in that way. So surpassable and unsurpassable, knowing the difference. And then <coughs> the next the next higher state, the third one here, is is concentrated mind or, or a mind with samadhi collected. And this can refer to pachara samadhi, axis concentration, or, or, or the absorptions, the jhanas. And lastly, liberated mind, a mind that is free. So some, some tastes, some ideas of, yes, there are different ways to to experience the mind. How is the mind? Experience the mind. These different mind states, knowing, having some vocabulary perhaps, having some range. Oh, yeah, how is the mind? Is there greed, hatred? Is it calm? Is it great? Surpassable? What's, how is the mind right now? Experiencing the mind. Knowing the mind. Knowing the mind. How is the king right now? How is the mind, the mind heart? And while, while we are um, t- 
talking about the um, Satipatthana Sutta, there's one distinction in the refrain, which I know in the last retreat we taught Bhante emphasized. I can't remember it's been emphasized here again, but even if we did, it was two weeks ago, a whole lifetime ago. So I'm going to bring bring it back again as a comparison. So, so there is a difference between the the refrain and the Satipatthana Sutta and the Anapanasati Sutta. So, and and the refrain in some ways is perhaps the most important part of the Sutta because it keeps repeating the Buddha really wants you to get this so the refrain keeps repeating keeps repeating so important so in the Satipatthana Sutta the refrain has to do with awareness of arising and passing away in this case arising and passing away of the states of mind and contemplating the conditioned and the impermanent nature of mind so, leading to non-identification and non-attachment. So, specifically, the refrain goes, thus one dwells observing the mind in the mind internally, one dwells observing the mind in mind externally. One dwells observing the mind in the mind both internally and externally. Thus, one dwells, observing the phenomena of arising in the mind, observing the phenomena of passing away in the mind, observing the phenomena of arising and passing. And now one, and now one's awareness is established. This is mind. This is mind. I love this exclamation, with an exclamation point. This is mind. Thus one develops awareness, one's awareness to such an extent that there is mere understanding along with mere awareness. In this way one dwells unattached without clinging towards anything in the world. So you see there is the the emphasis, the invitation see the arising and passing. It's really vipassana. And seeing the characteristics of unreliability and impermanence. Non-identification. In the refrain, in the Satipatthana Sutta. So the Satipatthana Sutta pointing to insight practice. Whereas Now pay attention, now that you've heard the refrain in the Satipatthana Sutta. Now hear the refrain from the Anapanasati Sutta, the mindfulness of the breath sutta. Specifically, I'll, I'll share the one for the third tetrad. Here we are. Bhikkhus, or practitioners, practitioner dwells observing citta in citta. Okay, that sounds familiar. We had that there. Atapi, 
with gentle perseverance, sampajanyo, clear, clearly comprehending, satima, mindful, having given up, abhija, domanasa, towards the world, having given up covetousness, greed, wanting, and grief towards the world. Do you hear the difference? It's pointing towards, it's pointing to putting away, putting away greed, covetousness, grief, concerns for the world, staying here, dwelling, observing citta in citta. No mention of arising and passing. These are more aligned with samatha instructions. So Anapanasati Sutta is more pointing, it's more an invitation, of course, as we've been inviting you, you can open up, of course, to insight. And in fact, the, the, third, the fourth tetrad will, will open more towards that. But in general, slightly different orientations. Slightly different orientations. So experiencing the mind, experiencing the mind, knowing the mind. And sometimes knowing the mind can be quite humbling, can be quite humbling, very humbling. And contemplating and knowing the mind states does not mean that we actively change or oppose unwholesome states. That's really the final emergency measure taught, which the advice is beat down and crush the mind. But that really, really, we save that as, as, as the last resort, if nothing else helps. You observe, you keep observing, you, bec- you develop self-awareness, honest acknowledgement of what's happening in the mind, get to know your the state of mind, get to know it, get to know it, get to know it. And and we know that through sati, through awareness, as we see more and more and more clearly, things shift on their own. Things shift on their own without us developing uh, an aversive, an aversive relationship without us fighting our minds. But we just keep seeing if there is lust presence, raga, or... If there is the the various states, the various states, so we keep seeing, we keep seeing. Of course, bringing antidotes can be helpful and wholesome as well. But again, we keep the quote unquote beat down and crush the mind as the final emergency measure. That's not this. That's not the focus of the practice.
basically we don't if this this is the middle path this is the middle way between suppression and indulgence we don't suppress what we see we don't indulge in it we see it clearly we experience it clearly I want to mention a couple of other things, other ways, there are many, uh, many ways to practice Chitta Nupasana, but I want to mention a couple of other ones before turning towards, back towards the Anapanasati Sutta and the commentaries on this sutta specifically. So I'm starting more general, and then I'll get a little more specific. So a couple of other practices. One is knowing consciousness of consciousness, turning awareness unto itself, it can also be practiced at the sense doors. We're not doing that here, but I do want to mention that. And that's one of the beautiful teachings that that the Buddha gave. It's a very brief teaching that the Buddha gave to Bahia in the scene only the seen, in the heard, only the heard, in the cognized, only the cognized, etc. And in that way, the mind can turn to see how how consciousness at different sense doors is meeting, is meeting an object and turning consciousness onto itself to see how it's operating. Awareness of awareness. How is it operating? How is it meeting? And the self drops away. There is no need for a self. It's happening on its own. Seeing is simply happening. Object arises in the visual field. Eye consciousness meets it. Pasa arising, contact, <coughs> Vedana, Sanya, etc. So a turning consciousness onto itself. Another another method, and again before I turn to the specific commentaries as to practicing here and now, but just to give you a sense, there are so many ways to do to do um, to experience the mind, to turn the mind around towards itself, on itself. Another one is a practice in the Visuddhi Magga that uh, that. Um, Venerable Pak Sayada teaches is uh, Arupa Sataka. Arupa Sataka. And that is a practice of turning consciousness unto itself to see, to see momentary. It's, it's basically turning and saying, oh, what is, what is the consciousness that's, that's knowing? What's turning knowing onto itself? The knowing onto knowing. And in that moment, then, that, mo- that knowing disappears, and then the knowing again gets turned to the knowing that knows the knowing. 
and that's impermanent, that drops away. And then turning the knowing to know, the knowing that, so there can be like this cascade of, of mirrors. If you put two mirrors in front of each other, and it feels like there is a, uh, an infinite cascade, an infinite set of mirrors that you can see, right? S- s- infinite set of images. That's, that's what can happen with seeing the mind that keeps seeing itself and keeps seeing and keep turning on itself and keep perishing, keep perishing. It's just impermanence of the mind. It's not constant. So if what I just said makes no sense, you're like, what is she talking about? It's okay. You can let it go. Just giving you a sense of there are many different ways to do this mindfulness of mind and many, many more ways too, but I'll pause. And now let's turn. Let's turn and focus a little more on on this third tetrad, experiencing the mind, experiencing the mind. So experiencing the mind is said here, again, through these commentaries from the Visuddhimagga and Papanya Chasudani. Experiencing the mind, the commentaries suggest to, ex- to understand it through the concentrated states, through the mind being concentrated through absorptions, the four absorptions experiencing the mind, and yet knowing that that may not be everyone's experience, I wanted to offer all these other ways, of, especially from the Satipatthana Sutta, to know the ordinary mind states, and the higher mind states, the greater mind states, so that we know that there are many other ways, there are many ways to experience the mind, to experience the mind. So, the experiencing the mind also in the commentary Patisam Bhidamaga, it naturally flows, it naturally flows from all the steps, from all the, the steps in the first and second tetrad, naturally, when the mind, already we get to know objects, and then the mental formations, Vedana, Sanya, it naturally turns to, it's like a cascade, we start to, to be more in tune with the mind. How, how is the mind? What is the mind state? What is the mind state? 
What is the mind state right now? So experiencing the mind. Before we gladden the mind, before we collect the mind, before we liberate the mind, let us know the mind. Let us be curious. Let us be interested in this knowing, in this faculty of knowing, in this faculty of cognizance that is operating all the time. It keeps knowing and commentating and, and directing and judging and deciding, I like this, I don't like that, that's pleasant, that's all, you know, all of that that comes with it. How is the mind? What's the state of mind? How is it? How is the mind? I know that for me, knowing the state of my mind, not just on retreat, but in daily life, is very helpful. Very helpful. So, so having had a, uh, a chronic illness, you know, sometimes there is more inflammation in my body, so I wake up in the morning, it's happened in the past, that there is more inflammation in the body, and when there is more inflammation, there is more inflammation in the mind. And when that happens, the mind gets grumpy. So at times like that, it's, it's been really helpful for me to know, okay, sweetheart, the mind is grumpy today. It's going to have grumpy thoughts. The state of mind is grumpy. Maybe it's not one of the list of the states I read for you, but for me it's been really helpful to know. Yeah, grumpy mind today. And... It'd just be so much easier. Life is so much easier if I know, oh, yeah, the state of mind. Due to causes and conditions and inflammation, whatever it is. Causes and conditions. It's grumpy mind state. Thank you, grumpy mind. That's what's operating today. So, so then I can take things a lot less personally when the mind is grumpy. It's like, okay, doesn't like this, doesn't like that. That's not quite right. Okay, sweetheart, you're just grumpy today. It's grumpy mind. That's what's operating. Grumpy mind. Grumpy mind. And we can be gentle. We can, we can be gentle with ourselves. We can be gentle with the mind, with the heart, with the body. Maybe you have your own version of grumpy mind. It's the sad mind. Or greedy mind, wanting mind. Dissatisfied mind, working too hard mind, self-flagellating mind, being really hard on me mind. Oh, sweetheart, you're the one operating right now. I get it. All these thoughts coming up are like, ah, you're not doing this right. Work harder. Or whatever it is. Whatever it is. Get to know your mind state. Get to know the mind. And sometimes the mind is really happy very happy. There's been pity and there's been sukha. It's just happy to be here on retreat. It's happy. Yay, everything is great. The air is muggy. Yay, it's lovely. <laughs> tofu, tofu Tuesday. Yay. <laughs> Cause for celebration, right? It's just the state of mind. Get to know your mind. Get to befriend your mind. 
Get to know your mind, befriend your mind, experience your mind. This ninth step is a very important one, crucial one. Get to know your mind, experience it, befriend it. And again, on this retreat, Bhante and I have brought, as much as we've been able to, a lot of invitations for metta, kindness, gentleness. Befriend your mind. Get to know your mind. It's like a puppy. It's doing the best it can, given all the causes and conditions. Maybe also bring in something else. And sometimes, especially in in worldly life, it may not be easy to to know our state of mind. And, and sometimes it can be quite humbling to know our state of mind. And we need a mirror, a reflection. So there, there are some um, examples in this book that I really like, The Happiness Hypothesis by Jonathan Haidt. Many of you may know that, and if you don't, not during the <coughs> retreat, after the retreat, check it out. But um, there's a chapter about this, and uh, and many examples of how sometimes we're not quite aware of our own mind state. And the state of mind is acting, is just acting. It's like a, uh, you know, we're like a marionette. We're, we're a doll attached to these strings and the mind is like playing with us and moving us around. And there was this study in, I'll just, mentioned very briefly without going into too much detail, but, but it was a study of, um, of moral hypocrisy. It's fascinating. And it was some study where basically um, these subjects, usually university students, are told to do something. In this case, there were some bags, and they were told that... Um, that in the bags there would be, I think, money and, and, and also would say, uh, and then they could decide, and, and there was maybe directions as to how to divide it up anyway. But the, the um, so in the study, half of the, only half of the bag, uh, uh, sorry, the, the bag um, had instructions as how to divide it. Not just they were given some money, but the bag had instructions as to how to divide it between themselves and, and some other um, um, subject. So, so in the study, only half of the bags were ripped open. Only half of them. So, only half the people opened the bags. Isn't that interesting? And of the half who didn't open the bags. And those who didn't open the bags, 90% of them chose the the gift, the prize, the money for themselves. 90%. Of those, the 50% who did open the bags, 90% still chose it for themselves. (laughs) 
That's the moral hypocrisy. But then, apparently weeks before, in their psychology course, there was a priming that those who cared for others and had... Um, and that they were primed to have more care and social responsibility in the course. And those who were exposed to that were more likely to open the bag, but not more likely to choose the other person. Isn't that interesting about the state of mind of a typical person? It's us. It's not them. It's us, right? It could, this could be us. But then this is what shifted. This is fascinating. I love this because it, it actually refers to a simile, a Buddhist simile. If they put a large mirror in the room where the bag was left and if they emphasized the importance of fairness in the instructions, then it changed. The mirror. Wow. So there is a simile, using a mirror as a reflection for states of mind. So use a mirror, will you? Use a mirror to see your state of mind. What is it? Not just for moral decisions, moral states of mind, but how is the state of mind? Have a mirror. Use your mindfulness, your sati, as a mirror. And again, repeated observations, repeated observations, which is what we do, deactivates the patterns of habit. It takes the fuel out. I want to say a little bit about gladdening the mind, which is the next next step. And of course, you can spend time today, tomorrow, knowing the mind, experiencing the mind. And whenever you feel ready, then moving to gladdening the mind. Or maybe it just naturally arises when you get to know the mind. Gladdening again, that next step is supposed to naturally unfold and arise. So, gladdening the mind. So gladdening the mind from the commentaries, heartening, gladdening, pleasing, delighting the mind. I shall breathe in and I shall breathe out. One trains oneself. So it is said that there are two ways, again in the commentaries, it is said that there are two ways to gladden the mind. And one is through samadhi, through concentration, and the other one is through insight. And through concentration, through collecting the mind, is if absorptions are accessible or not, but it's really the, the rapture that is, that is present. The rapture, or rather, instead of using the word, that translation, let me use 
joy. Let me use delight, which we've already been been working with in the previous tetrad. So, so it's the joy, the pity, the happiness, the the gladness, the gladdening of just a mind that's settled, of a mind that's calm, settled, collected. There is a joy, there is a happiness of a mind that's collected in samadhi. As much samadhi is accessible. It doesn't have to be jhanas, even though here it is described as the true jhanas. But I'd like to make it a little more accessible for all of us. So it's the the happiness, the gladness of a mind that is settled, that's collected, has samadhi. And then the second one, the gladness through, through insight, is when one comes out of the state of samadhi and sees actually the delight, joy, happiness, rapture, whatever it is, as impermanent as unreliable, as not so. And through that seeing, delight arises. Through that seeing, delight arises. So two ways of delight. Clear enough? Blink once, if it's clear enough. I get a nod. Wow, that's a lot of movement. Thank you. (laughs) This is so fun to teach on a long retreat. Everybody's so still. (laughs) So gladdening the mind. And similarly, in the the Patisambhidamaga, the gladding the mind here, the recipe is going to sound very similar to something else I read some time ago. See if you recognize it. Gladdening. For one who knows one-pointedness and non-distraction of mind, through breathing in and out, each of the eight modes of each of the first two tetrads and the first two modes of the third tetrad, there arises gladdening of the mind. That mental enjoyment which is, here we go, rejoicing, joyousness, gaiety, happiness, felicity, elation, satisfaction of mind, that is the gladdening of the mind. So this recipe description might sound familiar to you from the second tetrad when I read the description about piti, joy. Gladness, happiness is the same, says the commentary. So gladdening the mind, gladdening the mind, knowing the mind, experiencing the mind, whatever the mind is. Great mind, grumpy mind, whatever mind is arising, get to know it, experience it, befriend it, befriend it. And then through that befriending, through that knowing, it becomes gladdened. The settling of the mind, the calm of the mind gives rise to gladness, joy, 
and also knowing that however the mind state is, it's impermanent, it's not self. Not me, not mine, not myself. And through seeing that joy arises. Wow, two different ways, two for the price of one. So you have two ways to gladden the mind. How fun is that? Let's just sit together for a moment and gladden our minds in the Dhamma. May you have mental enjoyment, which is rejoicing, joyousness, gaiety, happiness, felicity, elation, satisfaction of mind. That is the gladdening of the mind. Chitta. for your mindful attention. <coughs> Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.